I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. This is week three. Week three of the Hannah episodes, the Hannah Chronicles. Oh, the Hannah Chronicles. Uh, we're so excited to, that Hannah um, agreed to come back for a third week. We yeah. uh, were semi-persuasive because she agreed. <laughs> Either that or she really wanted to finish her story. Um, yeah, that was kind of unbeknownst to me as well because I, I felt like, oh, you know, we'll you know do one and then do a second one. Here we are, like a third, a third round, which is really exciting. Round. Yeah, yeah. So it's important to know that like we just were really open about this process and we just kept giving notes and working with it mm-hmm. to try to see where the story went. And so that that meant we didn't put a defined range on how many episodes this be or really what would it be and the reason i'm telling you this is you get to the end of this episode and we recorded it yeah and it sounds like it's the last episode and, and in our minds it was in our minds it was it yeah. was honest at the time yeah. we thought it was uh, and it's definitely not right because... it's not the last episode the fourth episode will be out next week uh-huh. and josh has given me the look like we're going to do a special fifth recap episode yeah 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 so listen enjoy know and the really cool thing about next week's episode what's that is that it's joshua giving performance notes so it's taking writing from the page to the stage <laughs> thank you ann randolph <laughs> uh, page to performance and you'll get to see performance notes around lines if you ever have had interest in how actors work mm-hmm. and how that process works of making your emotions true to performance mm-hmm. uh and lots of other things that i'm probably butchering in my explanation right now uh i would strongly suggest you tune in to next week's episode. I, ju- I just want to toss out one thing yes. just as a little a little tease on this, which is, you know, there's always a shift when someone goes from, from writing to be read or, or writing to be performed or shared orally or auditorily or however you want to say it. So It's a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's having both written on the page and had Joshua uh, direct and coach me when I've given uh, storytelling on stage. It's just a whole other way of being experience if you ever have any interest in getting up at the moth and telling a story or even just speaking to friends and family in front of at a gathering in a truthful way in a, in a good way mm-hmm. in a crafted story way uh i you know next week is where you will learn those things yeah or, uh, or, or if you just want to talk to the checkout person while you're buying groceries you know just just hey just, hey an audience is an audience run, I mean, you, know. you just want to run some lines <laughs> you got a minute no this is a good one but yeah, should we, are we, are we ready? Yeah, or? we're ready. Okay. Here it is. Episode three of the Hannah episodes. Enjoy. Now arriving downtown Santa Monica station. Hey, Adam. It's time for notes on your notes. welcome yeah, I think, writing is so amazing and, and 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 so much fun to work with so how can we how, um, we're just making up stuff now so she gets to come back that's true yeah that's true we're yeah. just we're, it's not even we're making it worse not better yeah <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we're just saying well what if we did it this way yeah and, well, yeah what if the, the endless what ifs the it right does feel like it could, could go on yeah. as even as i was writing this one i was like oh there could be like eight more drafts mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there probably could be. Yeah. Well, and then it becomes more conscious choices about what it's, what is it thematically about. Yes. Whereas, like, you have the scenes locked down and you have the narrative locked down. Yeah. But it's more about, like, what do you want to emphasize? Mm-hmm. That's sort of a, a little bit akin to when maybe a director brings back three hours of footage. Three, they, there's, there's an early cut of a film that's three hours. Mm-hmm. And then they have to get it down to two. And they have to make a decision about 
what to emphasize in the film, what yeah. relationships to emphasize, what character yeah. trajectories. And that's a little different because hopefully at that point, the, the scene writing and the narrative has been worked out a lot. Mm-hmm. That's maybe an extreme, but like you do see... Yeah. For you, like for actors deal with that constantly, right? Where they are in movies that they then get cut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kevin Costner is famous for that, where he was like a lead in one of his first films, and he winds up like as only the dead body at the end. And he was like, oh, my God. And the director, I forget his name, was like, I'm so sorry, Kevin. I'll make it up to you. And then, you know, he had a breakout film next. Yeah. Oh. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The tears that, that are weeping for Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is important, though, because it, it always goes back to that central theme, whatever that central theme is. And hopefully that central theme is so compelling that it helps you self-select and helps you to shed anything that doesn't support that. So um, even though the choices are endless, we also need to have something that helps us, uh, a guiding light, mm-hmm. a North Star. Mm-hmm. So what, what, speaking of North Stars, what, what, what did you find to be a North Star in your process? Okay, well, I'll t- let's see. I'll tell you a little bit about what I've been up to since I saw you last. Um, so I, along with going through all the notes that I got, I also read, uh, Jennifer Egan's short story that Adam sent me safari, which I found really helpful, um, as a tool to be able to talk about the passage of time in a different way. And then Joshua, you emailed me a great exercise, which was to write up two scenarios and do them quickly, like sketch, quick sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, between my main character and her mother. Scenario one being them talking about the wedding and how it actually went down mm-hmm. in the world of the story. And scenario two being the way that my main character wished it would have gone down. Mm-hmm. This was really a helpful exercise for me. Mm-hmm. And enlightening and sort of um, getting to the heart of the conflict between my main character and her mother. Mm-hmm. And also getting to what what my main character really wants from her mother mm-hmm. and isn't getting mm-hmm. in this story. Mm-hmm. So that was really enlightening. Um, what it helps you to do is, without explaining it beforehand, is that it, it helps to solidify the character's hopes and dreams of what they wished it could have been so that when it's other than the ideal, you have something to push up against. Mm. Otherwise, there's nothing to push up against. Yeah. Right. So like Hannah's... Um, character last time probably had some hopes and dreams that Josh and I wouldn't give her all this homework to do. Yeah. <laughs> those hopes and dreams are disappointed. They're <laughs> like, read this, listen to this, do this assignment. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So, did, and did it did, did it find its way into the narrative that actually is the written narrative? It did. In, yeah, in a in a subtle way, or not necessarily the scene that I was mm-hmm. writing, but mm-hmm. some of the information I gathered from it found oh, its way in. Great. And then. A big part of the work that I was trying to do this time was take the note that you had given me about what I sort of took as character development, but seeing the situation from the other main character's perspectives and develop that out more. So I did work developing Sam's character and the mother's character. Mm. And as a result, I do feel like the draft changed more this time than the last time so it's it's different cool exciting Um, and so kind of my process was i did like a lot of these exploratory exercises did some like more intuitive writing and then i went back through and tried to make it work structurally and did some editing i think it could probably use like a little bit more of that but it's it is where it is and when 
I'm just got a curious question, which is when you did the exploratory work on um, Sam and your mm-hmm. mother, which are the two sort of main relationships that inhabit this story, how did it change when you went to, like, what was the change that happened for you when you, when you then went to write the narrative, write the, the main story, and having done some exploration work of the individual characters? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what was shifted for you? Well, I brought both of them in sooner in the draft. Like, and when I did that, I felt like, um, I felt like a little bit of the heart of the story shifted a little bit because I had to bring in the mother character a lot sooner. I brought her in on page one. And so I think, okay, I think what's different, um, after developing, especially her character more and working with the mother daughter relationship is that that feels like a little more present and leading in the story now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an effect like their relationships got foregrounded in a way and they came in in a more direct way for the, for the main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm always curious about that because mm. when you, particularly when you write personal memoir writing or personal storytelling, uh, it can be so easy just to be so locked into the main character's perspective which I think we all are naturally. I think that's why people do personal storytelling a lot because it just feels authentic and true. And to do what you're doing, which is to consider the perspective and the world of the other characters is not something I think a lot of people do mm-hmm. because it's uh, we assume we know it fully, uh, but it is kind of helpful to look at those perspectives because then it'll impact a little bit how, how those characters present in the story mm-hmm. when they present what their emotions are when they present, what they want. Uh, and that also often impact the conflict with the main character, with the, yeah. with the first person. Yeah. So, um, The other thing was, as I took all of this information and did this character development work, I also thought about the episode, Notes on Your Notes, City or Country, mm. that I listened to, mm-hmm. that... W- what I took from it was really drilling down. Like whenever Joshua, I think you were making Adam say like, are you a city or a country person? And you yeah. were like really resisting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm used to that by now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Josh had a whip. Yeah. Um, I tried to do some of that work with my characters to sort of mm-hmm. make them be one thing instead mm-hmm. of little parts of a lot of things. And mm-hmm. so all of this work, I think definitely makes the piece stronger. I did feel like I, sort of drifted away from reality like I I didn't stick necessarily to the facts in this Mm. draft because I Mm. felt like that was kind of holding me back a little bit from making like developing the story so it's not like 100% true anymore yeah that brings in this whole thing about memory which is fascinating and that's that's a topic for a whole nother podcast but basically we remember that and interpret that memory based on our own personal perspective and our own personal story to support our story Hmm. And when I say story, I mean our life story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's even though you may not believe that it that's drifted from the factual truth, what I always try to uh, instill is we're after the emotional truth. Mm. Because the factual the factual truth um, changes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So that's, that's interesting. This is a complex it? issue that Josh it's, and I fight yeah. about all the time. All the oh, time. really? Yeah. We'll do an episode yeah. Friday. But I think maybe time. because of my history as a journalist, I'm so locked into the literal facts of what happened. Mm-hmm. And Josh points out, well, those are the facts as you remember them. And those are, you know, what happened as you remember them. And that's subjectively changing. And it's a complex thing because there's some really, there's a really good um, revisionist history episode about this, uh-huh. about how people's um, memories are unreliable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and pointed towards a certain kind of outcome as well. 
right yeah uh, it's hard based to know on their story yeah, yeah their story yeah um i just don't know where the line is because if i change the main character from having a child that's a girl instead of a boy like that's not misremembering that's something i did because it made more sense in my narrative right so but we we will do an episode on this okay we, we will do i'm not ep- talking about like oh it, it was 83 degrees and then all of a sudden it becomes you know 62 <laughs> because i have to wear a nice jacket no no i mean you know that's a fact right yeah. Deg- the degree of the day but yeah but how you remember something is really what i'm talking about yeah how you recall someone's interaction with someone it may not be their perspective but i imbue it with my meaning because that's how i take life yeah you know Mm -hmm. to support my story of you know all people are evil or you know everyone's kind and generous yeah i mean and certainly the way you view the world will paint how you paint any character and and remember it and recall it and recall it yeah and then go well that's what happened you often see this among children Mm. um siblings their memories of their of one parent or the other right is different yeah and it's like it's so interesting because they you know they they were treated differently and a lot of it's so unconscious, but they're like, oh, it didn't bother me that much when dad did that. And the other sibling will be like, I was traumatized. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, that is interesting to me. Yeah, yeah for sure. So we see that. But Josh and I will do an episode. We won't fight about it here. Yeah, we won't fight. Okay. We won't go over here. But I really, I want to also commend you on bringing in the, the city country thing because, um, you know, life is not, especially art, art and life is not lived in the middle. And we really need to push ourselves to the extremes. Mm-hmm. So city, country, introvert, extrovert, doesn't make a difference, rich, poor, doesn't make a difference what the extremity is, but to push it. And we as human beings will always have the tendency to ride the middle, 4951. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't serve the story yeah. in, in general. It can be difficult because it feels like a little bit like I'm cheating my characters because I'm not allowing them to like be fully, you know, full human beings that are able to have like complexities and and be a lot of things at once. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's like much more interesting. But it's also a jumping on. This is why I, I was telling because you can have all the complexity you want, but it's a jumping off point. Mm. And so people go, well, well then, well, my character changes their mind. I'm like, yes, you don't take away changing the mind part. Right. But right. you go, you go, absolutely. I want to go. Right. To, I don't want to go. Right, right. No, I want to go. But in that moment, there's 100% I want to go. And then the next moment, it's 100% I don't want to go. It's not in the middle, should I go, should I not go. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's where I take exception. Because character needs to have strong movements. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So are you feeling ready? Yes. Okay, Hannah's bringing it in. The next draft, she's going to read for us. Buckle up. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Lock and load. It's seven and a half pages. So. Nice. Do this. <laughs> nice. All right. Okay, that was that was Hannah preparing that exhale. Just wanted to point that out. Okay, that's the. <laughs> she popped a volume. She popped a volume. Things gonna get real slow. Okay. All right, here we go. I was on my hands and knees harvesting snap peas. It was hot, and we had been harvesting for hours. My hands, that used to be so soft, now had deep cracks in them with dirt that wouldn't wash away. I was 26 and working on an organic vegetable farm in Washington State for the summer. My literal job title was farmhand. I lived in a treehouse that overlooked the farm. My best friend from college, Lauren, called me up one day and said, come to the farm. She said it would be a great opportunity to explore my interest in organic farming practices and that maybe I could write an article about it. I told her I would think about it, but the truth was I didn't have a lot of other plans. A few months prior, I had quit my corporate HR job in Austin, Texas and moved back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, my hometown with the idea that I would figure out a plan for my life. I was waiting tables and having regular panic attacks about my future and enduring weekly Sunday lunches with my mother, who was thrilled I was back in town. 
God has wonderful things planned for your life, she told me one Sunday. She had just come from church, which I had stopped going to. It says in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I fiddled with my sandwich, still hungover from the night before. I had started drinking more than usual since I moved home, and the night before I was at the bar late with friends. I had begun to dread this weekly lunch date with my mother, which was starting to feel more like a church replacement. If I wasn't going to physically go to church and hear the sermon, my mother would bring it to me. "Uh Uh-huh, I said. Well, it's true, she insisted. And prophet to the nations doesn't mean you have to be a missionary. We can bring Jesus's light to the world no matter where we are. But, you know, I just want you to be happy. I know, Mom, I said. And just when I thought it was over, she added, The church offices are looking for a receptionist to replace Alice, who's going on maternity leave in June. That could be a good opportunity for you. Actually, I've decided to go work on a farm in Washington State this summer. There, it was decided. So I went to Washington to pull weeds and plant vegetables and live in a treehouse with no internet or cell phone service. And then, a month before I left, I met Sam. He had just moved to Tulsa for a job, and we were introduced at a concert. I noticed him because he was genuinely kind, unconcerned with being cool, full of fascination with people and life. And he had plans. He was going to be a filmmaker and move to a coast. He grew up in a small town in the Texas panhandle that barely survived the closure of a meatpacking plant, and pretty much all that was left was cotton fields and churches. I got the sense that he was on the run from a fate he had been born with, to settle down in Texas, have a bunch of kids, work in agriculture or construction, and go to church every Sunday. Being around him filled me with a sense of excitement for life. We spent all of May together, riding bikes, going to the lake, cooking meals. He asked me to be his girlfriend after two weeks, and I said yes. The night before I left for Washington, we laid on the floor of my room and listened to Willie Nelson's album, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, twice, all the way through. When I packed up to leave, I took the album with me and played it over and over again in the treehouse, which brings me back to the snap peas. All I could think about while harvesting those snap peas was Sam's recent visit to the farm. We camped on a remote beach at La Push under a full moon, surrounded by massive pieces of driftwood. We had a dance party in the converted bus that Lauren lived in with her boyfriend Jonathan, who she met while woofing in Thailand. I worked in the fields during the day, and Sam worked on his screenplay in the treehouse. He told me he loved me one night while we were sitting on the porch among the branches, looking out over the sleeping fields. This is it, I thought. I grabbed a snap pea and crunched into it and turned to my friend Hope. I said, if he asked me to marry him tomorrow, I would. She laughed at me. Okay. But I said it. I did. And I've gone back to that moment so many times in my mind since. When I left the farm and moved back to Tulsa, Sam told me that he had an opportunity to move to Los Angeles. A friend of his offered to let him live for free for two months until he found his footing. What do you think of Los Angeles, he asked me. But I knew that he had already made up his mind to go. So he moved away, and I stayed in Tulsa, and got a job as a barista and started saving money. We did the long-distance thing for months, trying to relay our lives to each other on the phone, growing more and more frustrated each time the other person missed a phone call or didn't seem to be listening. So six months later, I flew out to visit him. I didn't love Los Angeles, but I love the West Coast. We drove up Highway 1 with the windows down. I savored the feeling of being on the edge of the, of the earth, looking down the rocky cliffs near Big Sur. The breezy weather, the palm trees. 
We stopped for an espresso at Tartine in San Francisco. I'd always grown up wondering about California. It seemed so far away, so unattainable when I was young. And still on that trip, it felt unattainable to me. I was supposed to be preparing to move to LA myself, but things were not going well. I wasn't making enough money, and my 96 Honda Accord started leaking oil. It definitely would not make the drive out west. And then there was rent. The rent in LA was about five times what I was paying in Tulsa, and I was struggling to wrap my mind around it. Living with Sam before marriage was a sin, according to my mother, who not so gently reminded me of this whenever I talked about moving to LA. Sam's family was equally adamant about this, and so we agreed that it wasn't worth the chaos it would cause in our families if we lived together. So the whole time we were driving up the coast, in the back of my mind I was thinking, I don't think I'm going to be able to move to LA anytime soon, and he's definitely not moving back to Oklahoma. So as much as we really love each other, this feels like it might be the last great time we're going to have together before we break up, which was so sad because our relationship still felt young and new and like we weren't going to see where it could go. I tried to relax into my mixed feelings of love and despair and just live in the moment. We made it all the way up the coast to Washington, back to that same farm I had worked on the year before. We spent several beautiful days in the country visiting Lauren and Jonathan, taking walks, making food with the freshest ingredients, and generally blissing out, as Jonathan would say. On the last day at the farm, before we returned to our lives in L.A. and Tulsa, we put on our bathing suits and went to the Chehalis River with our friends. Surrounded by evergreens, we swam in the icy cold water, ate snacks on the shore, sitting on a quilted blanket with, teddy, with a teddy bear print that we borrowed from Sam's roommate Rico in L.A. At one point, we saw a bird that we thought might be a bald eagle. Around sunset, we packed up to leave, and as everyone headed back to the house, Sam lingered behind. I walked back towards him. He was standing by the water, looking out at the river pensively. I thought maybe he was thinking about our trip back to L.A. the next day, and then my flight home. I wondered if he might be about ready to break up with me. And then suddenly he turned towards me and dug his hand into his pocket, struggling for words like he wanted to say something but couldn't. What's wrong? I asked. He pulled his hand out of his pocket and held it towards me and then choked out, will you marry me? I looked at his hand and realized he was holding a silver metal circle, a ring. The sound of the Chehalis River flooded my ears. I looked up at the sky, searching the tops of the evergreens for what? Excitement? A chance to mentally shift from breakup to engagement. I thought, this will allow us to live together. Our families will be happy. I do love him. I always imagined that when someone proposed to me, there might be a speech first, and I might be filled with indescribable joy. Will you marry me? He said again. He was standing there holding a ring out to me with one hand, the other arm clutching Rico's teddy bear quilt all balled up under his arm. He looked terrified, or maybe hopeful. Okay, I said. And then we were walking back to tell our friends, who I found out already knew, as did his entire family, as did my mother. And then there was a celebration dinner and drinks and dancing with Lauren and Jonathan. And then there was phone calls to family members and discussions about wedding dates. And I felt like I had fallen into a river that was rushing me along, and I was just trying to keep my head above the water. Most people take about a year to plan a wedding. We decided to do it in three months. Sam stayed in Los Angeles, and I flew back to Tulsa. I moved back into my mother's house to save money and started planning the wedding while living in my childhood bedroom 
that stood unchanged like a time capsule. The cork board filled with pages ripped from National Geographic and photos of my high school friends, the twin bed, the bronze cross nailed above the doorway. My mother was so thrilled I was getting married that she was willing to spend whatever I wanted on the wedding. This is God's plan for your life, she said. But I just wanted to keep it small. Let's just have it in the backyard, I said at our Sunday lunch, which my mother still insisted upon, even though I now saw her every day at the house. I am not going to ask my family members to fly across the country to come stand around in my backyard, she said. But it's your wedding. We booked a venue. We booked a caterer from my mother's church. Soon it was a full-blown event with a DJ and a photo booth and hundreds of guests on the list. I started drinking at the bar almost every night after work with my friends. I lost weight. I developed bags under my eyes. It's just the stress of planning a wedding, I would tell people. But I couldn't shake the feeling that something wasn't right. But then when I thought about my life, years down the line, I wanted Sam to be there with me. And so I clung to this idea, to my love for him, and I bulldozed forward with the wedding plans with a singular focus. I just have to get this over with so I can get on with my life. I couldn't find a wedding dress that I liked, so I had my mother's altered, and she was beaming. The night before the wedding, she came into my bedroom. God has a soulmate for everyone, and once you are married, you will become one with that person spiritually. Then she handed me a folded up piece of paper. There are spiritual connections that bond us to other people when we have sex with them. I've written down a prayer for you to say, this will break the bond between you and anyone you've ever had sex with before. It's important to do this before your wedding day. I sighed and took the piece of paper. She left. I opened it up. It said, in the name of Jesus, I break the bond with, and then she wrote in parentheses, name of person. My mother, who was a virgin when she got married, who taught me nothing about sex except not to have it, who didn't know for sure but had a pretty good idea I wasn't a virgin, handed me a spiritual formula to become a virgin again in spirit before my marriage. This is such bullshit, I thought. I don't even believe in God anymore. But then I made a list of everyone I'd ever had sex with. I couldn't remember one person's name, so I just wrote down Guy in Austin. God can figure it out. I quickly said the prayer, ripped up the piece of paper, and threw it away. The next day, before any guests arrived to the wedding, I sat in my dressing room by myself. I put on my grandmother's pearls and my mother's wedding dress, a dress that I had to get altered again the day before the wedding because I'd lost so much weight. And I pulled out a bottle of whiskey I brought with me and poured myself a drink. Here we go. The wedding was perfect. We got married in the gardens of a beautiful old art deco building. A single violinist played Bach as I walked down the aisle. At the reception, there were wildflower bouquets on the tables, a hand-painted photo booth background, a DJ spinning actual records, vegan cupcakes. By the time of the first dance, I was drunk, but no one seemed to notice. Sam and I did a swing dance, too, My Baby Just Cares For Me, by Nina Simone, and all our guests crowded around to watch. We spun around and around with everyone's eyes on us, and then I saw my mother watching me with a look of satisfaction in her eyes. I felt uncomfortable, self-conscious, like I might be sick. And that's when I realized all of these people were here to watch us, to make sure we did the dance, cut the cake, and most importantly, that we said our vows to God. We had just sworn to God that we would stay together until one of us died, after only knowing each other for a year. This ceremony, this elaborate reception, was for everyone else to see that we followed the rules. And so that after I moved to California with Sam, my mother could sleep soundly at night knowing that her daughter wasn't living in sin. My mother, 
who for months watched me turn into a zombie under her roof and never once asked me if I was okay or if I wanted to change my mind about getting married. My mother, who stood there watching me dance with my new husband, knowing that she had done her job in guiding me on the path of godliness. I felt my stomach turning. I'm going to be sick, I whispered to Sam, and then turned and ran through the crowd to the bathroom. There was some announcement made that I wasn't feeling well, and I stayed in the dressing room while people made their way home. After the wedding, we didn't waste any time. We rented a U-Haul, packed all of my belongings into it, and left for L.A. the very next day. We drove through the Texas Panhandle, stopping at the Cadillac Ranch, and spent a few nights in Santa Fe. Driving out west has always felt instinctually right to me. The vast openness feels like a chance to walk away from everything and start again. I reveled in the fact that the wedding was over, and driving away from everyone we knew, from the wedding, from my mother. We made it to L.A., We found jobs in a one-bedroom apartment. Sam started working towards his film career. When my mother called, she didn't try to micromanage my life or criticize my decisions. She told me, My heart is at ease now that you have a husband to take care of you. Her decision to back off filled me with both anger and relief. Despite the 24-hour bus route that ran on the road outside our bedroom window, I was overcome with a sense of quiet. I was a stranger in a new city with a new identity. I got a new job and we moved again. We saw our families less and less and slowly the habits and beliefs of my childhood began to fade away. The Bible that I brought with me to California went to Goodwill in a box of other old books. But I still carried the title of wife, a constant reminder of my choice to follow my mother's rules instead of my own. And I struggled to keep my love for Sam untainted by that. I started doing the typical California things that our families in middle America worried about I did yoga and found it really calming. I tried weed for the first time. I started going to therapy. I took comfort in the space and distance and began to ask myself, what do you want? I stopped drinking. I also stopped calling my mother. On our first Christmas together in Los Angeles, Sam and I walked the deserted beach in Venice at night. We could see through the windows of houses filled with families eating together. And as we walked down the beach, hand in hand, he turned to me and said, we made it. We had escaped. Wow. Love it. Love your last line. We had escaped. Thank you. It's like a whole new story. It's pretty different, huh? Yeah, I like it. So much. I hope that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, so much complexity. I don't mean it like a... A different, entirely different story. I mean, a whole new story in the sense that, like, the relationships between you and your mother and you and Sam have so much more um, depth, complexity, and really strength behind them. The perspectives are so strong that from the minute we know exactly how you feel about these characters. Hmm. So that's what I was responding to. I was cheering because I could see these characters clearly. It was really evident you'd done the work on those characters. Thank you. Particularly your mother. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. That, that. And the shift in worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I really appreciated is, is you know, I don't want to call them scene breaks, but they, I guess that's what they are. Your scene breaks were so clear and so clean Oh, okay. in, in terms of tracking. That, mm. That's a technical note, but yeah. still, it's really strong, really well laid out. Thank you. I, as I was listening to it just now, I was going like, well, I, it's kind of sad. We're done. You know, so I, I had, you know, 
mixed feelings, remorse, <laughs> loss, ab- abandonment. Just issues struggling right now. I'm struggling. But um, no, seriously, because it, 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 it now becomes about two things, which is finesse and personal taste, mm. and then also uh, evaluating what the overarching theme that you that you want to bring forth in the story, um, yeah. because the, the the foundational work is so solid. It's rock solid. Mm, thank you. Do, yeah. do you. do you feel that? I, yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's gotten to yeah i i feel that about um i think that's that's a good way to put it finessing and then figuring out like a what i want to say i guess or a little more but yeah through line you know what's line. what's the essence of the through line that you want people to walk away with or what do you want to communicate yeah. and thus walk away with mm-hmm. um uh, and that and that just those are articulations that are going to be a minuscule but will make all the difference in terms of your artistic integrity yeah um but uh yeah now it's now it's now it's like the fun stuff in, in my opinion like it's like you know tweaking this and tweaking that yeah totally yeah all right let's jump in um i think i was actually just asked before we jump in one sure. question of hannah which is that uh there were some pretty big uh not pretty big but there was a, you know major some major changes between this draft and the last draft mm-hmm. and uh i was I think a lot of times people are afraid to change like that to make those big changes. What happened for you? Like what what kind of led you there? I don't know exactly. I think it just happened while I was doing the revisions and trying to incorporate the feedback that you guys gave me. Like the like some of the major changes like when I you had talked about doing a drop in at the wedding. I don't know if this is getting ahead of myself or not, but And when I started doing that and really writing the scene, it just felt like that needed to happen like something kind of significant needed to happen to show my feelings about it and then another major change i feel like the end is really different mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um i don't know really why i change i feel like i just i wanted to take a lot of the expositional stuff out at the end and leave it i, was, I guess i was trying to just leave it with more of a feeling than just like try to spell it all out Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I don't know. No, no, no. It, it, the ending definitely changes what your what the through line of the story is about mm-hmm. in terms of of how you leave us. Yeah. Um, and and there's again, this is not right or wrong. This is completely like artistic choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's just this is different. It's not mm-hmm. better or worse. It's just different. I agree with that. Yeah, it's a very um, different uh, theme at the end. Yeah, and it's just a matter of like which one do you want? What, you know, what are you as an artist exploring? Because that's what it's that's what it's all about. I I think that um, it felt a little too wrapped up in the last draft. There's a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or are you thinking this is too wrapped up? No, no. It, it, they're, they're just different. Yeah. It, it, and then and then once you make a choice, then you can do full development into whatever choice you pick. Does that make sense? Because yeah. like one was about a reevaluation of your marriage. Right. And this one is about we escaped our captors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. We prevailed. Yeah. So it's just different. Yeah. I think the big shift was that um, because I changed it or I I really tried to intensify the struggle with the mother, um, that really ended up highlighting a lot of the rest of the story and some of the changes I made. Yeah. Yeah. And that work, that was the thing I reacted to immediately. If we want to start going to the first block, the first part of the story is just that your mother's character is so much more well drawn in this draft than it was that you know there's so many details about uh, her dialogue her actions that just make her such a strong character there's just such a the first note major note i have is that there's such a an initial 
sense of the contrasting worlds, mm-hmm. Tulsa and Washington and the farm and the choice you have to make, mm-hmm. you know, and we get that to the point at the end of the first block, really like the first act of the story, which is when your mother says there's a job at the church office and you say, I'm going to Washington. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Uh, that was fun. That was right. Fun. Yeah. And so, uh, and when Josh talks about, I noticed the same thing that Josh, there's, you probably are not totally conscious of this, but your ability to write structure and scene is getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't even want to say it's about you, but I'm saying versus other drafts. I right. totally mapped it. Like jo- mm-hmm. you guys can't see it at home, but Josh and I take notes when people are talking and I do it on white single pages. Mm-hmm. And I consciously was able to do it when you read this after each scene. Oh. So I would write notes and notes. And then as soon as I could hear it was the end of the scene, I would f- new page. Great. And like that is clean. Very Historically clean. from a narrative sense, if you read Shakespeare, that's how all of it's written. That's all of, all of Shakespeare's written. Oh, okay. All of those historical Renaissance plays are written. Yeah. Next scene, next act. And it feels very, um, it's, high, it's high craft. Clean. It's clean structure. Mm. Yeah. And it makes it very de- definitive and delineated and ability to go for what, you know, in today's world, we call them in and out points because they're like edit points. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm going to just yeah, I write down. The, can I say one thing? Yeah, what the please. audience experiences, like what I experienced is as soon as you make that decision in going to Washington. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so like a film. It's yeah. like inciting incident, minute 15, yeah. the way unfortunately films are so structured. I'm like, I immediately know, okay, we're now we're on a new path. Mm-hmm. Next block. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I write, I, when I write notes, I write fragments. So snappy, he's hot, love it. Then you, you did a thing which was super smart, which I think is like in your second or third line, where you talk about your hands, they used to be soft. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in the hands of a storyteller. <laughs> she knows what's going on. So you already give me contrast of what used to be and now oh, what yeah, is. Totally. Yeah. City, country, soft heart, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm like, damn, I'm in. 26, summer. Uh, farm hand again a farm hand going back to your hands being soft mm. and hard it's just you know just yummy stuff um, and then come your your friend says come come yeah right love that Th- and then think about it so you leave us hanging I'm just talking from a technical perspective you leave us hanging so there's something mm. to think about so we don't know yes or no right and I'm like that's an interesting choice I wonder what she's going to do with that then um, the Sunday thing comes up and then the pressure so here here's a first and then yeah. So here's my first overarching note that's really interesting that I want to make sure. It's not to say that it's not there because it is. I just want to make sure that it's implanted. Okay. Which is your character has a misbehavior. And one of the misbehaviors of the character is that when she gets pressurized, she goes to alcohol. You got it. Mm-hmm. So I want to make that because it comes back for the wedding, right? So that's one of the tells, mm-hmm. and that we appreciate that as an as a reader audience member. So just to concretize that, it's not it's not that you you probably may not even have to change any words, right? But in performance, it'll 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 just by making that delineation. Oh, okay. So so do you mean just by when reading, emphasize that or like, or when you when you go through it, make sure that that note is consciously put in. Okay. And it may or may not change any dialogue. Well, like I, I have one specific note of how it would change, mm-hmm. one specific action later. Okay. But it's just an interesting thing. Um, and then dread. Church, she brings church to me. I love that. That was yeah. That was really good. Fun. Um, who says? Well, it's true. Oh, uh, your mom. My mother. And then be happy. I love that. That you know. Mm. Well, it's true. Well, but what I really want is you to be happy. But yeah. you know, do what I want you to do. Uh, and then something about what leave. 
someone said something about leaving and the farm. Oh, maternity leave. Oh, maternity leave. Do you know how good of a choice that is? No. What does your mother want you to be? Oh, yeah, a mother. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, darling, and- you know, the, the girl who works at church, she's leaving maternity leave. And I know you're just, just around the corner from that. Maybe you could take her position. Maybe the same thing could happen. So it's totally. so rich, mm. that moment. Okay, that's my first beat. Uh, the only other note I have on top of that is that you did something between the last draft and this draft beautifully, which is that, and this is relates to this this first block, uh, when Sam proposes to you, you don't immediately give us your response. You give us commentary and in some inner life, and you give us the, the evergreens when you look up. I would like you to do some of that here in the time between your mother says, uh, Alice has left the church office and you say, I'm going to Washington. Yeah. Because it happens, it drops really quick. Okay. It's just the drop is too quick for me. Got and it. So give us something about the room you're in, what you're feeling, where things are at. Make a, Give us some something so there's some pressure there, so some I'll, suspense. So I'm going to fuse, I'm going to fuse those two notes together because if you consciously feel that your mother's pressurizing you to get married to work at the church so you, that you can find a good Christian boy so that you two can get married, then you can get pregnant so that you can leave that position mm-hmm. so that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then that's your justification for bouncing. Mm. So, and then what Adam's saying, which is, which is slow down the reality in that moment and make it conscious. The audience needs to be, have the ex- possibility in their head that you might make a different decision. Got it. Okay. Like they need to feel like, we know your perspective. We know that you like to bliss out on this farm. Yeah. But we also know that you're being pulled mm-hmm. to Tulsa because you're sitting there drinking and not happy. Yeah. And so we just need to know, you know, if this is, it's so filmic. Like this is how stories in films begin. It's like the character leaves home and goes on a new journey. Mm-hmm. That's what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. The Iliad, the Odyssey. Yeah, Come this on is all how, all how narrative structure yeah. works. And so give us just give us a moment where we think, well, maybe that couldn't. Like what's going on for you? Even if just from a temporal aspect of like, 20 seconds where I have to wait for the answer that changes my audience experience got it okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna follow that lead and dovetail another note which is in that moment the waitress comes up and says more mimosa oh yeah yeah right yeah, totally so it's either like in your mom I don't does your mom drink I don't know no okay so more mimosa and in that moment in the moment of mimosa more alcohol more deadening more or are you gonna choose life and in that moment you go no more mimosa yeah totally right yeah and so then, you, so then it's like a doubling down of 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 her inner and outer life yeah, meeting. Yeah, I, mm. I was curious. Like, do you start drinking less? Do you drink less when you're in Washington on the farm? Whenever she's relaxed, she drinks less. Come yeah, on, man. I Come mean, on, it's <laughs> I sort of amped up the drinking thing in yeah. the, for this draft yeah. to try to make it like. <laughs> like this definitely makes me sound like an alcoholic. Um, so it's not all like true. But what I was trying to do is. Yes, show the character drinking in these stressful moments, especially in relation to her mother. And then when she's on the farm, when she's in California, she doesn't. Right. Right. Yeah. So use it. So use that. Since we, I get that it's being leveraged, and it's a great misbehavior, and it's a great indicator that we can watch as an audience, because the Mm -hmm. character supposedly is unaware of that. Where I'm going with this is behaviorally, the shift is possible to like to write something that shows us, you know, in Tulsa, I drank whiskey. In Washington, I drink apple cider on the farm or microbrew oh, right. at night while watching the sunset with my close friends mm-hmm. and I feel good inside, mm-hmm. you know, and then, yeah. to, you know, and then ultimately I stop drinking, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, there's a way to tell that 
behavior in progressions. That's yeah. interesting. Okay. Or I don't trick at all in Washington because I'm happy. Yeah. Whatever it is, just, you know, yeah. you know, like that. It just shows us contrast. Yes, contrast. Okay. Okay. And then? Next chunk. Act two, introduction, introduction <laughs> of a new character. <laughs> See, and, and, and Adam and I don't even have to discuss it because it's so clear. I just want to mm. point that out. That's how clear it is. We're like, boom, done. Okay. It felt, and it feels clean in that like suddenly you're like, oh, Sam, new person, Texas Panhandle. Mm-hmm. Um, he's escaping as well. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. all there. I loved the depth you give Sam in this draft that you didn't in the last that, uh, you know, he had a similar fear of settling down in Texas and ending up going to church every week. The detail about him working on a script in the treehouse mm-hmm. really sets up like his motivation for wanting to go to L.A. later, mm-hmm. which okay. I liked. Mm-hmm. Like This is a commitment. You know, he's not out there picking apples with you or whatever you're doing. Yeah. You know, this is his, his passion. He's got his dream. What's your dream? Mm-hmm. So it sets that up. The end where, you know, just from structurally where you say, if I'd, if he'd asked me to marry him, I'd say yes. It's an interesting, yeah. I had, it's more of a note about like that, where you drop that in because it's so critical. It's such a contrast to how you're going to feel later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where that comes in the story I was thinking about as you were saying it. I'll jump in. Okay, so Sam, great. Tulsa, great. Kind, cool. It also tells me about the kind of person you're looking for. You're not looking for the hookup. You're looking for a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not the... He's not the average guy uh, in terms of his of the inner qualities, so that's great. Um, you guys have both have plans. It's great. A coast, I love that. It doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference which one. It's just a coast, great. Um, uh, on the run, great. You bring in this element of fate over destiny or destiny over fate, mm-hmm. um, and you bring it in for him. I'd like you to bring it in, just even if it's just like a fragment, if, if it's just like five words about mm-hmm. about you. Okay. Because part of your thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna weave this back into the other note, which is your mother's ideal is the is the is the job she wants you to take. Right. Right. Is that your fate or is that your destiny? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what's going on for both of the characters. Right. And weighing that, and you see that. Okay. Um. Uh. All of May. I love that. I love the two weeks. I love the visit. I love the driftwood. I love the woofing, screenplay. Fantastic. And I love the elegance of sleepy fields love that that's just really sweet and 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 then coming back to the snap p um and then something about farm tulsa tulsa can can you go to that moment Um, when i left the farm and moved back to tulsa yes okay so here's here's the thing so that's clean right Mm -hmm. that's the end of a of a of an act right yeah not just a scene it's an act so on that one i need i need a a more definitive break okay do you know what i mean um Maybe if you could just sort of maybe could, could you it. Could you read what you do have? When I left the farm and moved back to Tulsa, Sam told me that he had an opportunity to move to Los Angeles. Right. So so let's break it down together. Yeah. So how many events happen in that, in that sentence and a half? A lot. Leaving the farm, moving back to Tulsa, and then Sam talking about this opportunity to move to L.A. So three. Right. So three major events happen in one sentence, and I'm going to ask you to, to give me three different beats or okay. actually two beats it's 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 a two beat not a three beat <laughs> that was clear um so so we need to have we it's need like a 45 but you can't dance to it <laughs> so um that was good though <laughs> that was good not like the way you're riffing so i i left so i left i left the farm mm-hmm. which is the coast and i moved back to tulsa so if we were to energetically talk about the difference between the farm and when you moved back to Tulsa, where did you move back to specifically? Um, 
at this point into an, like a house with some friends. Was it temporary or permanent? I mean, you know, it was just like set up as like, oh, I'll stay here for a couple of days. And so oh, I guess I, I think or, I stayed with my parents. For I would a imagine days. you moved back yeah. with your parents, yeah. right? Exactly. That's where I was going. Mm. So in the farm, you have. I'm just going to share it. On the farm, you have complete expansion. Mm-hmm. You're your own person. You live on. You you have big horizons. When you move back to Tulsa, you go into a contracted state. Yeah. You're you're fixed. You're in your your childhood bedroom. Right. So that's the shift that I need to feel. Okay, that makes sense. Then, then on the next moment, after you've completed that transition, then give me, because you get blindsided. Okay. You didn't expect that, right? Yeah. So then you have two changes in your life. It'll just make it even more clear. Yeah, that, that okay. makes a lot of sense. Okay. I, I, I also love, I love when he goes, I think I'm moving to LA or whatever, and you say, I already knew. Yeah. Love that. I love that. Thank you. Um, I had a, just a exploratory question, which is, how did Sam feel about you going to Washington? Because there's mm-hmm. a moment where okay. you, oh, wait, go ahead. like, is there a perspective there? Like, because he's now got, now you guys, where was he at the time? Tulsa. So he was in Tulsa and you leave Tulsa. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he feels what about that? I think he's like happy for me. But I mean, it's like, yeah, the the back and forth and there's so many moving to different places in this story. So I was worried if that would be clear. But um we're both in Tulsa. I go to Washington. He comes to visit. He's back in Tulsa. I move back to Tulsa. He goes to LA. Yeah, yeah. And so I think he's happy because it's like I'm going and doing something I want to do. But of course, sad because it's going to be long distance. Yeah, because I feel like there's an undercurrent here of like Sam devises a plan. He's got to mm-hmm. go. He's got his dream. He's writing a script in a treehouse. He's going to go to LA. And now you're sitting in, you've already left Tulsa. You've gone to Washington. He's got to figure out a way to get you to, to LA. Yeah. And his master plan is propose. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. He yeah. gets exactly what he wants. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So I'm just, that's kind of what I was pointing to. Like, okay. I'm just, I, it, it could be a consideration okay. for something to look at. Because there, there are revenants of this in the next scene in the proposal when you say everyone else knew. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it raises the question of how yeah. early did Sam, yeah. how, Sam had a vision. When did, that, when did that vision occur? And how did it make you feel? Got it. Okay. That's just what I was... There was something behind there that I was just kind of keying yeah. into. Mm-hmm. I had another line in there that I took out that was like before the wedding and it's basically like I asked Sam why he proposed to me and he said that he was talking on the phone with his dad talking about how hard it was the long distance and his dad said, why don't you break up? And he said, I don't want to break up. And then his dad said, well, then you should get married. Right. And that's how he... But then I was like, I don't know if I like that or if that adds too many elements as far as his relationship with his dad. Yeah. But hearing you say that it's a little unclear about maybe his motivation or his plan. I don't necessarily know that you need to put a scene with him and his father, but um, so many could, ways to go about this. I mean, could you, could you go to that? Cause, cause you, you set up something really interesting, which I liked. Um, and then maybe it's something that we could fortify with what you already have. Um, which is this thing where you guys talk about, we have three weeks or two weeks, all of May right oh yeah that's so the oh i know it's the thing where, where you're playing the record over and over and like you get it embedded in your brain and then you play it in the treehouse it's that sequence could you read that because that's where you would, if you're going to drop it in that's where you drop it in well i'm curious actually about that because i was <laughs> i feel like I'm, i hope we're not going down a rabbit hole but at what point in your life do you find out that that sam had that conversation with his father 
I actually found out about it years later. Exactly. That's what and I'm it was get, his brother, what, but they right. just said father for them. Right. This is what I'm getting at. It's like, at the time, you f- the whole that whole scene is about you feeling like something is not is off. Other people know he's doing this for religious reasons and not for it's forcing you to an identity that you don't want to be. And you're going to find out years later that someone else told him to do this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is maybe not how uh, anybody wants to find out that their partner wanted to propose to them, right? Yeah. You know that their family member said, "Well, if you don't want to be, you know." Most people want it to be like, well, my partner loved me, right? right? Yeah. So (laughs) that's what I'm getting at. And so I actually think from a narrative structure point, this is not really the focus of this draft. This Mm -hmm. would have been the focus of the last draft. The last draft was much more about you and Sam's relationship. But if you were going to bring that back, this is something I would add late. Okay. I would find out later that Sam had consulted with his father Mm -hmm. and he told... That's what I'm getting at. Or, or his his brother that's a committed Christian. Is is, is his brother a committed mm-hmm. Christian? Mm-hmm. So that, that's what it is. It's the overlay of the committed family member who's committed to the path. Yeah. And enforcing his ideals. Which is exactly what you're dealing with. Which is what you're... Mm-hmm. So then it goes back to that thing of you would add in that layer if you're going to make, depending upon what your major through line is of for the, for this piece. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise yeah. it starts to derail... If it's not incompatible with the main through line, it'll derail. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yes, it's a, it's a great layer. So for sure. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, onward. But, but yeah, but, that, but could you read that little part about the, the music? Because the music is where you got the embed. The night before I left for Washington, we laid on the floor of my room and listened to Willie Nelson's album, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, twice, all the way through. When I packed up to leave, I took the album with me and played it over and over in the treehouse. So that's the emotional commitment to each other. Oh, yeah. Right? And the theme of that song is? Like somewhere, like a destination or better escape or life, I guess. I, I want to go to my true home. True home, yeah. So, and you want to find your true home together. So that's the promise that you make unconsciously to each other, and you embed it through music and repetition. Wow, that's good. And I think that's a particularly interesting note, because this draft is very much about escaping and finding a new home yeah mm-hmm. your, tr- your true home yeah mm-hmm. okay so la i already knew i thought that was a great choice um long distance thing interesting my question is, when you start bringing up the long distance relationship thing is when was the first time you had sex and when was the last time you had sex so hmm. I, again it's not i don't i'm not interested in having like a whole sex scene that's not the point yeah but the point of it is is to know it so that there's a certain longing element there's a certain expectation element that shifts when you have sex, and then there's a certain longing element when you're without it for a certain period of time. Yeah. Um, so six months, fantastic. Espresso. I love the espresso moment. The unattainable? Unattainable. The unattainable moment is an interesting moment. Could you read that, please? Yes. And I love the espresso, because the espresso is total city. Oh, yeah. Good choice. I'd always grown up wondering about California. It seemed so far away, so unattainable when I was young. And still, on that trip, it felt unattainable to me. I was preparing, I was supposed to be preparing to move to LA myself, but things were not going well. I wasn't making enough money. Okay, that's it, that's mm-hmm. it right there. So that's interesting to me because unattainable tells me what? I can't attain it. Yeah, that you have desire for it. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it can't, it wouldn't be unattainable. Yeah. So that means that the the leverage on the desire for the West Coast needs to increase. Hmm. Otherwise, that moment doesn't ring true. Oh, okay. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Okay. And then you bring in money. And then you bring in the biggest element of the story. Mm-hmm. What's the, what the, and so give it to me. Um, living with Sam before marriage was a sin, according to my mother, who not so gently reminded me of this whenever I talked about moving to LA. Bingo. That is the major point of this whole story. If that component wasn't present, the story would significantly shift. Right. The fact that we can't live together. You, the fact that you can't have sex. Right. Even though you do. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say live together because, it's, but yeah, it's but it's code. all about sex. <laughs> right. It's all about sex ultimately. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. That's huge. That's why it's so important to know when you and Sam first had sex mm-hmm. in terms of your relationship and what's it like not having sex for six months. Got it. But when this element comes in, this is the major thing. And then you keep going and you, then you say, we agreed. Mm-hmm. That right. it wasn't worth the chaos it would cause in our families if we right. lived together. Right. We agreed, though. Mm-hmm. That's huge. How, how do you mean? What's that called? Stockholm Syndrome? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stockholm Syndrome. So you two actively have multiple conversations about this. Mm-hmm. That's how important it is. And it's one of the major stressors in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And you could also be talking about we agreed, meaning not only did you and he, you and Sam agreed, but you and your mother agreed. Right. Yeah. A vow. I love that you compared it to Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Start to sympathize with your guards, people keeping you prison, yeah. prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked that. Uh, you set the scene up well for the engagement because it really feels like you thought the relationship might be over, mm-hmm. like in your head. So I think from an audience perspective, that is really helpful. Um, there's an incredibly important point in the scene, which is um, it's the emotional turn of the character when he proposes. And suddenly, keep in mind this is set up as if he said, if he asked me to marry him, I would say yes, right? That's what you say to Hope. Right. And now we're at a point where suddenly the character has shifted emotionally and we get a, a sense of um, she's not excited about this. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that uh, maybe we need to, and we get a lot of this by the end. By the end, I, I think we need to understand earlier her reticence about getting married. Got it. I mean, it's kind of, you do an excellent job of showing exactly her unhappiness that we'll get to at the the drinking whiskey at the wedding. But uh, I just need some maybe note or a moment, one sentence about, um, because the question I had is, before he proposes, do you want him to propose or is it the way he proposes? What happens that makes it for you suddenly something you don't want? Yeah, it's a good question. I, yeah, I think it was just like we had never talked about it. And so, yeah, I don't know that my character really wanted it. I guess that's, I need to clear that up. But I was going for sort of blindsided. Yeah, right. And what comes up for me is disempowerment. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was alluding to earlier. Sam's got a plan. 
and in some respect, it's an execution of your mother's plan. Mm-hmm. If you drill down, mm-hmm. so all these, and that's the theme that comes out later that is really well explained. That you know you're starting to feel like just a pawn in other people's plans. Yeah, and so I I was wrestling with this as I heard it about how to handle the fact that like suddenly there's an emotional turn and suddenly this character doesn't want to get married mm-hmm. and is uncomfortable about it because you tell it so well through behavior, through the discomfort of Tulsa, through discomfort at the wedding planning. But it's still to the to the audience, it's still a big shift that she goes from being in love with Sam to thinking it won't work out to then discomfort at his proposal. Yeah. And so uh, I don't think you need a lot, but I think even one sentence after... Um, driving up the coast, I felt like this, you know, like this could be the end and that was bittersweet. It's hard to, that something about the fact that, you know, my my earlier fantasies or thoughts about saying I married Sam felt odd right now. They felt like, mm-hmm. they felt like things had felt different. And I worried about being pulled back into my life in, uh, in the church or the expectations. Of my life. There needs to be some exploration there so that when we are hit with this wave of unhappiness over the wedding, we kind of have an explanation in our head and we're like, oh, why did she go from being so in love? And we know the motivation. The motivation is set up really well. Josh was talking about it, that, you know, it's not financially possible. Mm-hmm. This is the solution to an economic problem, mm-hmm. right? That happens to be convenient with the religious upbringing that you and Sam have had. Yeah. Right. And and makes permissible the unpermissible. Right. Or explainable, the unexplainable. But I still need to understand what her emotional drift is. And it's hard to do this in retrospect because... You as the character at that point may not have been conscious of it. Right. All these things are just sort of happening to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, everyone's saying this proposal is happening and everyone knows about it. And it feels a little icky, but I don't really know why. Yeah. But my brain is rationalizing it, which was great. I love mm-hmm. that. Like, this will let us, you know, move in together. This will. But just something a little bit before. So I, when, when that emotional shift comes, I get it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Okay. Next. Um, I'm just gonna run Joe. through run through these here first. It was the last time. It was so sad. Uh, and we're going back to the thing about we agreed and you having the longing for it to be another way. Uh, and in a sense, the, the 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 relationship is being aborted, as they say. You know, in terms mm-hmm. of the mission is is uh, prematurely being aborted. Then you go for the revisit, and I think the revisit from a storytelling perspective is just fantastic. So you're going back to the place that you were um, alone with him. Mm-hmm. Which in, in in a way it's a fantastical world being in a farm and you know yeah it's not Tulsa we're not in, you know if you want to go with the Dorothy theme we're not in Kansas anymore yeah there Oklahoma Kansas there you go um, so I love how these things just kind of come through and then as, as as we start to work from a conscious place in terms of consciously creating it or or creating it from an unconscious place and then calling it out mm-hmm. then you can call it back as a theme mm-hmm. actively as opposed yeah. to unconscious so. Um, the river, the setup, the birds. So you have water. You have water element. Excellent bird. Excellent freedom. Right, um, and then you put yourself between a rock and a hard place by going. Oh, I think he's going to break up with me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then the flip, the marry me, um, and then the, I like the terrified and the hopeful all in the same moment. Mm. That was fantastic, and I am supportive of Aunt, uh, Adam's notes as well about f- you know digging down into what was really going on. The the the, the remedy that I have for that. Mm, moment is you describe the external world but I don't hear your world I don't hear your internal world mm-hmm. That's interesting, yeah. so I would like to hear your in internal the moment world. Well, you look up at the sky mm-hmm. you, you want to go to that and, and read that it was really well done by the way and I want to say like that that scene reads incredibly yes. differently now there's tension suspense we're mm-hmm. completely locked in mm-hmm 
Thank you. I mean, it's because of your great notes. I think that was a <laughs> note that you guys gave me, so I well, really well appreciated it. Executed. Um, Terrified and hopeful. I just you just want that. that part. Yeah, give me the part where he, you know, he's putting the ring in. You know, he's presenting the ring to you, and then you kind of go away, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you marry me? I looked at his hand and realized he was holding a silver metal circle, a ring. The sound of the Chehalis River flooded my ears. I looked up at the sky, searching the tops of the evergreens for what? Excitement? A chance to mentally shift from breakup to engagement? I thought, this will allow us to live together. Our families will be happy. Right. So so we went from uh, audio, which is the, the, the sound of the water. Mm-hmm. We went to visual, which mm-hmm. is the tops of the trees. And then we went to rationalization. Oh, yeah. And we left out you yeah mm-hmm. so I, I would like to bring you in yeah great <laughs> <laughs> so in there it's a complicated note in the specific scene because i know the note you're asking but i think probably for you the character there may have been some dissociation yeah which is which is which is great too because you're giving it to the sound and the sight but mm-hmm. we need to come back to you mm-hmm. right like in any sort of dissociation state like there, there's a rationalization but you're rationalizing away from your feelings because right. the feelings are uncomfortable and we need to know those feelings. Yes. Okay. And it can be told not necessarily as like, I felt uncomfortable. It could be like, there's something vague receding on the horizon in my gut that I can't quite see, mm-hmm. but it's there. And then you go back to the rationalization. Just a hint that there's something, you know, like that sort of, it doesn't have to be so on the nose. Yeah. That's my suggestion, my recommendation. Because that's your reality in the time is that you don't actually want to feel that discomfort. You want to yeah. rationalize a solution that's going to make everyone happy. Right. Your family, his family, Sam. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's important for us to know how you feel, even if the con- even if the character is not conscious of it. Josh is laughing at me. I have a glass of water on the table, and sometimes when I drink, it just like half is on my shirt. It's cute. I, w- I may get you a dribble glass. Speaking of being unconscious, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you wrote something like "as did dot dot dot," and then you have regret. Uh, what's that moment about? As did something. Oh. Oh 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 oh! As did as did. You have a whole list of as did. I really like that. As did blah, blah, blah. As did blah, blah, blah. What? And then we were walking back to tell our friends. Yes. Who I found out already knew. As did his entire family. As did my mother. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love your as dids. And then, and then you go into regret. And then, and then there was a celebration dinner and drinks and dancing with Lauren and Jonathan. And then there was phone calls to family members and discussions about wedding dates. And I felt like I had fallen into a river that was rushing me along. And I was trying to keep my head above the water. Uh huh. So my question is: is being being swept away, literally and figuratively, right? And is there is there any heal action? Are we are we like slowing the river down? Is there regret? Is there what the hell did I just do? This doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah. And and if so, give give me some articulation around that. Okay. Yeah. Next beat. Okay, back in Tulsa at the wedding. <laughs> back in happy acres uh i love the way you played up the losing of weight the bags under the eyes um the disconnection your mother not noticing that um i think that was played well uh what else did i like uh the mother's wedding dress is wonderful uh, again you had in the last chapter it's in this chapter that's that just the note about the prayer that will break the bond between you and all the menu have slept with is just, I think, one of the most best details. <laughs> it's just so good. 
Uh, if only I had made that one up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still think Guy in Austin is great. God will figure it out. Uh, mm. We can talk to you about performance and how to make that land even harder. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Josh, you can yeah, go, you let, let's go. Three months, fantastic childhood bedroom, wonderful. Give me, give me one regression, you know, one moment of something about the childhood bedroom because she is literally turning you into your her little girl again. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to see how that shows up. Okay. And it, I'm talking about a fragment. It's Got not it. I'm talking, it's, you know, seven mm-hmm. words. It's you not, know, like you start playing Barbie again. Like yeah. Whatever the regression is, whatever that needs to be something you discover in your bedroom. Sippy cup. Sippy cup. You know, maybe a poster from, you know, some fantasy rock group. Whatever it is, whatever it's authentic to you, but work that. Work it, meaning find it, discover it, and how you feel about it. The feelings. um, And then money comes back in, you know, but she was paying for it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you wrote, and then you said something about, I will not. Give me, I will not. Oh. Um, that's my mother saying it. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm not going to ask family members to fly across the country to come stand around in my backyard, mm-hmm. she said, mm-hmm. but it's your wedding. Mm-hmm. We booked a venue. Right. So in that is a huge shift. Mm-hmm. In that is the beginning of your drinking. Oh, Yeah. So there's a there's a there's a reality gap there that that needs to be um, uh, filled. What do you mean? Well, she says what? What does she say to you? I will not. What? Um, I am not going to ask family members to fly across the country to come stand around in my backyard. Full stop. Full stop. Full stop. Right. Yeah. Then she does. She gives you what I call a double jam. And then what's the what's the next word? But it's your wedding. Right. So is that is that a yes or a no? I mean, it's a no. But yeah. yeah. But it's a double jam mm-hmm. because she tries to give the illusion that it's a, but it's completely your choice. Yeah. But it not really. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a double jam. And that's why you start drinking. Mm-hmm. Because you don't confront that. You swallow and you do what she wants you to do. Yeah. But I need to see it. Okay. Great singular focus there you go i just have to get this over with and then i can get on with my life right so that has to do with that thing of that of that thing that we talked about Mm -hmm. before which is the suppression Mm -hmm. but 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 so you have the you have the suppression i just need to see the rising up and then you and then the you pushing it down otherwise there's we don't know what you're pushing down okay i see needs to rise up and you push it down with alcohol Mm mm-hmm I love the mother's dress. Okay, so now we're going to get into the world of of character. Okay. So your mother comes in and she says to you, what does she say to you? Your mother comes into the room, right, the night before the wedding, I think it is. She says, God has a soulmate for everyone. And once you are married, you will become one with that person spiritually. Great. So one with that person spiritually is code for? You're going to have sex with them. Yes. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yes. And, and you know what that means mm-hmm. because you know the code. And so then what happens? There are, spi- and then she said, then she handed me a folded up piece of paper and then she talks again and she says, there are spiritual connections that bond us to other people when we have sex with them. 
I've written down a prayer for you to say, this will break the bond between you and anyone you've ever had sex with before. Great. Okay. So is your mother's hopes and dreams that she was, that you were like her and that you're a virgin still? Yes. Does she hold on to any of that hope or dream? No. A hundred percent? I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, from, from the, from the reality that you share, do you feel like that she has any inkling of that hope being true or is it completely out the door? It's probably 99% out the door. So she really has no hope that you're still a virgin? Pretty much. Yeah. I think she has no hope. So from your mother's point of view, how, from your mo- forget about your point of view for a second. If you were to, if you were to be playing the role of your mother, mm-hmm. would your mother have, would your mother be a hundred percent sure that you're not a virgin and she's, and she, and, and, and she's just placating you or, or is does she hold on to some glimmer of hope from your mother's point of view? She probably, I guess maybe she would hold on to a glimmer of hope or denial. Yeah. If that's this, a similar thing. So then if that's true, how would she say that to you? Mm-hmm. I, 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 want it, I want it to be authentic. I don't want it to be inauthentic. So if your mother really is like she knows that, you know, she saw condoms and she knows and she's heard things from your bedroom and you've had men over who stay at the house. You know what I mean? It's like if it's completely off the table, then, then go run with that. But if she has any hope, her language would be different. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really my question. I see what you mean. No, I think this is... I think that this is how she would say it. Okay. This so the, character. So then if 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 she has no hope and she's she's there to do the cleanup? Yeah. She's basically cleaning up your mess? Yeah, yeah. And thank God she is. Yeah. Then her point of view would be slightly different. Okay. Because she's not she's not in a place is she, she's not in a place that she's holding you guilt-free, is she? Guilt-free. D- does she does she hold any judgment against you for having sex with someone outside of the bonds of marriage? She would have prior, previously, mm-hmm. but because the marriage is happening, all has been forgiven. But part of that forgiveness is this. Yes. And you're making her do this. See, this has to do with point of view of character. Sure, yeah. I you're you making me do... I'm going to take on your mom's yeah, point yeah. of view. You know, honey, I don't really want to do this, but thank God there's a way out. And yeah. if you hadn't done this, we wouldn't have to do this. But you have. So now I'm here to clean up your mess. Now this is what you're going to do. Do you, do you feel how the approach yeah. is slightly different? I do. I do. That's what we need in there. Okay. Otherwise, yeah. she's without point of view. Okay. Yeah. Totally. Does that make sense? I, I don't want to yeah. force something down your, your thing if you don't agree. No, I, it does make sense. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, what I'm getting right now is I'm getting a little bit of a data transfer. Mm. And I'm not getting a, a strong point of view of this character. Yeah. I think this scene, I didn't really revisit or rewrite. And I think it's, yeah, you're right. It's only from a main character's perspective. I didn't know where you were going that I was about to murder you. Really? Yeah. Why? I mean, because it was so clear to me that you don't bring this prayer to someone who you believe doesn't need it, right? Like she clearly 100% believes that her daughters had sex. Otherwise, you don't ask them to to make that prayer. Like it's not an insurance policy. I see from your perspective that if she if there's like a sense of judgment that's coming through strongly and that there's, um, this is my role mm-hmm. to try to, you know, to sanctify mm-hmm. absolve. Ever, and absolve your mm-hmm. sins mm-hmm. before you enter the next stage of your life. And mm-hmm. I'm your protector, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and this is another layer of you needing to live your life the way I tell you to. Mm-hmm. I can see how that and a scene rewrite could be stronger. Mm-hmm. 
That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I, I had the same reaction in the sense that, like, it's an amazing detail that is delivered uh, as a little bit of a, this is what happened. And you're asking, well, let's bring in, let's make it more uh, insult, insulting to the main character. Well, I, I don't, I don't look at it as, I don't look at it as insulting or non-insulting. I, I really, I do my best to go to a neutral place and to bring in the, and to bring in the point of view of the character. And so, how does the character hold her point of view, and then how does that point of view affect how she's going to communicate to the other person? Yeah. And, I, and, and, I, and, and I, she could use restraint. You know, she could have that as an inner life and then restrain it knowing that it's her daughter and she, she wants to go easy on her. Yeah. But still, that, that inner life is going to leak at least for a second somewhere, if it's true. But she could come in from an angelic place of having no judgment, you know, peace and love, peace and love. But from the character's perspective, I don't get that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's like this is the way... Uh, it's invasive in the way that, like, people with other belief systems pray for you Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. because they believe that they have to save you. Right, right. That's what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's like she's coming and saying, "Like, I know you don't get this, but you need to do this. Otherwise, it's not going to. You know, your marriage might not work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I get mm-hmm. it." Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good uh, sentence at the end of this sort of block where you say, "These people were here to watch us. This was here, a show. We were following the rules that weren't yeah. ours yeah. or yours." Um, which is kind of uh, the theme of the whole piece and the discomfort with the wedding to begin with, which I liked. Thank you. So, so, so just to, just to do that last little bit on the thing. So then you unfold the paper, right? Uh huh. Now, who, who? This, I, I know I go into hyper detail, but that's that's just part of what I do. Is this handwritten or is this something that she printed out? Handwritten. Is it on on regular stationery? Is it something that's gonna, that she like did this as a keepsake for you, or is this something that's very utilitarian on like a piece of paper? Utilitarian. So it's, pe- it's to be destroyed afterwards um, and never talked about. Hmm, I don't know. That's a good question. It's not something that it needs to be a keepsake because once it's served its purpose, then you never have to do it again, right? Okay. So how does the character dispose of that piece of paper afterwards? Uh, rips it up and throws it away. And is that sufficient? Is that sufficient for her? For I, I guess so, yeah. Okay. okay. So then do you have that moment where you rip it up? I think you do. So that's when I say, so I wrote, Guy in Austin, God can figure it out. I quickly said the prayer, ripped up the piece of paper, and threw it away. Okay, so when you quickly say the prayer, how does it form? What do you mean? How does it form on your lips? Um, I don't. I guess I'm not sure. That that's means. that's the detail we we need want. Because okay. here's the thing: is that the character actually goes through all the behavior that the mother wants. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Considering her point of view. Totally. And yet she does it, mm-hmm. which is insanity. Yeah. In that moment, the character's insane. Yeah. Right. Yes. So I want to see how you go through it. So you want to see, sort of more of a depiction of how that looks, as far as doing it like. If it is, if she just rushes through it or if she's kind of stumbling over the words. Right. Or so resentful that she can't even say the words, but she still says them. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I'm not telling you what you're feeling, right. but I'm just, want, I want to see how that rolls out. Okay. Because that's, you've actually entered into the world of insanity. Yeah. Interesting. 
And then that's and that's why it's equally important of how you destroy the evidence of this ever happening. Mm-hmm. Because if you burn it or rip it up or destroy it in a complete way, it's just between you and God. Because you didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. She left the room. Yeah. I would also put the choice in that she has an expectation of you doing it in front of her and you and you at least claim that for yourself. Mm. That would wouldn't that That's be her expectation? Wouldn't let me say it another way. Wouldn't that be her hope? Wouldn't her hope be that she gets to witness you do this? Um I don't know. I think that would be an interesting choice. I'm not sure. Explore it. Okay. Okay. I was just thinking more comedy. I went to a comedy place. Yeah. She just like stays in the room. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh yeah, mom, stick around. And then it's like. It's going to take a while. I ran out of ink. Do you have another pen? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Can you come back in a half hour? It's going to take a while. I can't remember if it was the Steven with a PH or a V. Do you know? <laughs> Do I have to put last names here? Or? <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> So I, I loved your grandma, the pearls. I love the weight, the lack of weight equals alcohol. I love that. Uh, oh, oh. So here's here's one behavioral thing. You go uh, something about in the, you pour some alcohol for yourself. Could you read that moment, please? Mm. Okay. I sat in my dressing room. But okay. Yeah. yeah. Put on the grandma's for pearls, the wedding dress. A dress I had to get altered again the day before the wedding because I lost so much weight. I love and that. And I pulled out a bottle of whiskey I brought with me uh-huh. and poured myself a drink. Right. So that's a great description. I'm always going to push it to the other side. Mm -hmm. Don't pour it. Drink it. From the bottle. I don't care from where. Oh, drink it. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, because right now you're just pouring it. Got it. I want to see you knock back a shot. I see. Or a chug or however you want to do it. That makes it more behavioral. Got it. Love love the moment of mother making uh, some sort of eyes with satisfaction mm. love that moment and I agree on all these people now when you say all these people who are all these people well yeah guests the wedding so friends family what's the uniting theme for all these people mm. are you thinking like Christians yeah it, it, uh, otherwise you wouldn't describe them as all right, these right, right. people mm-hmm. you don't have to say it but I need to feel it got it are they do they say like are, does the group say prayers for you is there something collective that happens in the ceremony or in, mm. in is there any what is the ritual that is unique is there mm-hmm. that's good make mm. it make it behavioral yeah no, um, do people get invited to read psalms like how does it work yeah some people I mean just depending on like we had a, someone say a prayer I think we t- yeah we had another person do a reading yeah of a bible verse okay I mean the way is, and then to consider your and Sam's reaction mm-hmm. as all this is coming you know all the rules all the ritual is coming at you so do you mean our reaction okay well, I mean, I'm even intuitively, like, what is your reaction? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you get, there's that beautiful line where you talk about all these people are here to watch us. Um, this is a show for people. Yeah. This is a show so you can move to LA. Mm-hmm. And that's what bothers you about it. It's not a show that you designed. Mm-hmm. So showing you, you react to the ritual mm-hmm. and what you're, the way you see it and the way the audience, the way the people at the wedding scene are very different. Yeah. Right. And that's what's so 
good about that line is that we, for a moment, we see these people looking through their eyes and how that appears to you. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's just a way to, a way to just, you know, another small detail you can mm-hmm. drop in. What I was trying to do was show both me and Sam, you know, we were, we consented to all the family's wishes throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to have this moment during the wedding where there's a realization that, that it's, it's not like, I wanted my characters to be like, it's fine. We'll have a prayer at the wedding and we'll do whatever. It's not a big deal because we'll just, it's just a wedding or whatever. We'll, we'll, and then in the wedding, there's a realization that, you know, it's, it's not really about them at all. It's not about love. Just a deeper realization about what what's really going on. But maybe I need to, did that come through or no? I feel like that's the that's the part that we're we're talking Struggling about. With. Yeah. Well, we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like if if that can see see the the tip the, to go back to that moment of I would never invite people halfway across the country. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. Yeah. Right. And then this is the this is the bottom. Yeah. Did okay. did I mean the question I have? Did you ever fantasize about what your wedding would look like growing up? Um. Me I no, I never did really. But but that was the exercise, right? Remember to, yeah. to like oh, yeah, the yeah. ideal future and then what yeah. you actually lived. Mm-hmm. So one thing that you could embed is well, what did you putting in one of those things that that you wanted, like what you're talking about, Adam, is put in something that you really wanted at the wedding and it gets steamrolled out. Mm-hmm. Which is that last little bit of you that just gets Got it. What did you if you didn't think of a wedding, did you have an imagined future for you and a man? No. Was it you know, being on a beach in Tahiti? Was it um, with him, you know, because that's what we're getting. Like the pain here is that you're doing this ritual, which in a way that you didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not about love and it's forcing you to embrace beliefs that feel alien to you. And it's pulling you deeper into a past you don't want to be a part of. So that's the pain. And so that's all I'm there's, suggesting. There's is, also, there's no, there's no you there, which is the biggest betrayal. Mm-hmm. It's a betrayal of yourself. Yeah. Right. And yeah. everyone's got getting a little bit of what they want except you. Mm-hmm. Sam's getting the woman he wants and get to LA. Your mother's getting the wedding she wants. You're not getting anything you want. Yeah. Right? You're s- getting drunk. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's when I say, when I ask you, what's, what it, was there a dream? Uh-huh. Or, and maybe your dream was not to get married. Maybe your dream was to be an independent woman traveling through Europe. Like I, whatever it is you're doing something that's not you and that's the source of the character's pain. So if we see yeah. a little bit of the contrast, it could be interesting. Okay, great. What's the, what's the barter that you make with yourself to do this? Because you make a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. So what's the deal that you make? Um, yeah, so the deal is if I have this wedding and go do whatever my mother wants with it, then then I'll be able to move to LA and be with this person that I love and get freedom from my mother. It's not to be answered right now, but that's the question on the table Mm -hmm. because, because you, you make a deal with yourself that, Oh, okay. If I do this and this and this, then I can, then I can, you know, that'll appease it and I'll get out of here. I'll get what I really want. But that's a deal that's costing you more and more every day. Right. And then the contrasting moment for the wedding day is, well, you know, it's the bride's day. Right. Right? And the irony of that. Yeah. And so if you're looking at a callback line, that would be a good callback line or some mm. words to that uh, okay. effect. 
which puts it in your face even more. It's like, this is what you want. Well, this is what you always wanted, isn't it? Mm. I mean, there's, there's a component of this, which is like, even if you don't believe, have the belief system of evangelical Christianity and its traditions, there's something very um, old about the reality that a woman has to marry a man to get away from her home. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, so it's like almost like even on the one hand, like you're trying, you're, you're making a deal to do this. It's something you reject, but at the end of the day, you made this, you married a man to escape, mm-hmm. to escape your mother. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. My aunt did this. She married my uncle to escape my grandmother. It's mm-hmm. a common story. It's a story of disempowerment for women typically. Yeah. And so, uh, I think there's, there's, I would go to that feeling of, of disempowerment and things being done to you and you having no voice and that's what can be painful. Okay. If that, if that may, if that feels true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back to it again. I really feel like if you can, if you can trace back to the deal that you make with yourself, because what we're watching is is the payment of that deal and then you just go wow wow that's an expensive deal totally. I, I didn't i didn't know it was going to cost me that much yes but i need to know what the deal is before we get to the event yeah zombie all right we're doing some serious time today zombie. yeah how oh, how <laughs> we're, we're almost there zombie, I love zombie let's get to the final the final piece we are this is it Zombie. Oh, uh, my mother who stood there watching me dance with my new husband, knowing that she had done her job in guiding me on the path of godliness. Gotcha. And that's when I like feel like I'm going to get be sick. Gotcha. So her job is connected to all these people. Mm-hmm. That's a loop. Yeah. When you see all these people. Okay. It's connected to her job. Her job. Her yeah. function within the group. And she, and she has functioned properly. And that calls back to that thing of her eyes filled with satisfaction. Mm-hmm which is your eyes are devoid of. Mm-hmm. Okay. West, fantastic. Sam, when you say film, can, can you give me like his, his exact thing that he wants, like writer, director, whatever it is, mm-hmm. just so it's more specific? Okay. Mother's point of view. Uh, your mother calls or something like that? Give me that beat about your mother has a point of view. and it's When my mother called, she didn't try to micromanage my life or criticize my decisions. She said, my heart is at ease now that you have a husband to take care of you. Her decision to back off filled me with both anger and relief. And then what's the next moment? Uh, and then we go into, despite the 24-hour bus route that ran on the road outside her bedroom window, I was overcome with a sense of quiet. I was a stranger in a new city with a new identity. So when your mother shares that point of view with you, I just don't have a, re- I don't have a response from okay. you. So I need a response. Uh, for, from, okay, from me. Yeah. From you, yeah. And then who am I? What do I want in Los Angeles? I love the Bible thing. I thought that was excellent. I love the wife thing that you're struggling. Oh, the, the object of working with the Bible and then giving it away. Mm-hmm. That's excellent because it's mm-hmm. showing that separation. I love the wife thing that you're still struggling with. I think that's fantastic. I started doing yoga, weed, therapy. What do I want? So take me to this thing where you say, what do I want? Yoga, weed, okay. therapy, and then it says, what do I want? I took comfort in the space and distance. And began to ask myself, what do you want? I stopped drinking. I also stopped calling my mother. Right. So let's just go to the line of what... You say, what do you want, as opposed to what do I want? What do I want? Yeah. Big difference. Okay. W- which which line of dialogue would you like to work with? 
Well, I'm asking myself, what do you want? Like I'm talking to myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then how does it feel when you say, what do I want? What do I want? Yeah. Yeah. Feels good. Okay. Well, which one, which one is something that fits the character? What do you want? What do I want? Uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. So when, when you say, what do you want? You're separating from yourself. Okay. And when yeah. I say, what do I want? I'm, it's first person, mm, mm-hmm. right? So where's the character? Is the character in separation or is the character trying to move to self? Character is in process of mo- moving to self. Mm-hmm. So maybe what do I want would be okay. better. Okay, so if you went with what do I want, g- give me the line reading on what do I want. I took comfort in the space and distance and began to ask myself, what do I want? What do I want? So what is that in juxtaposition to? She's juxtaposing that to? What my mother wants? Yes. So then if you're juxtaposing that to what your mother wants, share with me just that line. What do I want? Okay. I took comfort in the space and distance and began to ask myself, what do I want? Okay. That is perfect. Without giving you a line reading, you actually, th- so what we just shifted to performance, by the way. Mm. Without giving you a line reading, because of the context, you, you go to the natural line reading of that line of expressing what you want to express. Mm. Like, what do I want this mm-hmm. time? Yeah. You could do it technically and just stre- stress the word I, but it doesn't give you the same feeling. Mm. So that's. Okay, great. That's, that's, Thank a, you. that's a walk into that. Senor? I don't have any huge notes from the back end of this. I would only say that for the listeners out there who heard the last draft in this, there's a palpable difference in that the last draft was about uh, the main character and Sam's relationship and them coming to terms with the fact that uh, she didn't like the wedding and the way things went down. This is much more about separation from life in Tulsa and separation from the mother. Uh, And I think it's helpful just to listen through and know like those are just a thematic choice about what you want the story to be about. Mm. Uh, And... Uh, you just have to write to that theme and write to that through line, whatever you want to do. So, but um, I liked the final moment at the beach. I liked particularly um, the shifts. I stopped drinking and I stopped, the line I stopped calling my mother. From a performance perspective, I think a lot can be done with that too. Okay. Because certainly the emotional heart of the separation. Yeah. A lot of what what this character wants. Um, I think you could also do a little bit of a callback to one detail from the wedding. Or even a little bit of a callback to um, being on the farm. Okay. Something to bring us full circle mm. about where you've come as a character. Yeah. Uh, I would try out some lines about just the journey, right? Because we've covered three, four years at this point, probably. Because you kind of do it intuitively. You talk about stopping drinking, but it's almost like, you know, in the early days of, of my time on the farm, I did X and now I do Y. Or back in Tulsa... I felt this about this, and about X about Y, and now I feel Z about W. You, you can do it as an exercise, but just something. And then from that, you can bring out the behavior, you know, because you do a really good job with the behavioral aspects of it. You know, I now do yoga, I, I smoke weed, I, I try weed, I go to therapy. Um, but just something to, like, remind us, oh, this is where the characters came from. Mm. It's a possible thing to look at. Yeah, I like that. So, but... The, I just thought this was such a good draft. This was so good. Just And also, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a real strong through line of the relationship with your mother. 
Mm. It's in the whole, and it's kind of like scene to scene to scene. It's there, and I think when we see that, we're engaged with the character. Mm. And it seems, I think, when we hear it like a small thing, like oh, of course this is about this, but it takes drafts and notes to get there. So that was my that was the only thing I have to say. I thought it was really bold and really strong of you to to make such strong departures from your original um, draft. And to be, you know, definitely appreciated and applauded for that. Because a lot of times people don't want to, you know, they go, well, that's not my original story. And, and you mm-hmm. really took that on and, and, and went in for a deep dive. So so thank you and congratulations for having the, the bandwidth to do that. Thank you. Thanks yeah. so much, guys, for all the notes. And it's been a really cool experience uh, getting to get feedback and detailed feedback, too, and, and incorporate it. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, we hope it helps for all the future stories you write. You mm-hmm. know, thinking mm-hmm. about scenes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, it will. And exploration sure. in a new way. And thank you for being so vulnerable and bringing us such an incredibly honest story. Yeah. Like no. that, you know, that makes this side of the job easy. Because there's so much to work with because it's true. Mm. All right. This has been Notes on Your Notes. You can find us on Facebook, Notes on Your Notes, or Instagram, Notes on Your Notes as well. Joshua posts on the Facebook page and lots of. Uh, amazing prompts related to creative process and exploration there it's a good way to stay in touch with us and the show and if you liked what you heard here we're doing stuff that almost no other show is doing we're talking deeply about process we want to actually show it at a kitchen sink level so go to the iTunes store and rate us it helps us enormously the music on the show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod and the sound editing is courtesy of me we will talk to you next week bye